Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. An ending love. Amazing grace. That's what we needed, was it not? That's right. God bless you. We greet you again today in the name of the Lord Jesus. Trust you've come to the house of God to be able to receive something from His mighty hand. Let's read again today, if you would, from Hebrews chapter 5, verse 5, and down through verses 7. <clears throat> so appreciate what the Lord is doing for us in this time that we're living in. I know there's a lot of negative things that are going on, a lot of negative reports and this and that and the other, but we're so glad to hear of the good things that God is doing. Amen. My daughter Erica was in the hospital for a couple of days this week, and I texted her after service last night and said, you've got a high priest. She said, I sure do. Carol and I stopped by to see her, and she was out and about and outside watering her little garden in the back, and the Lord had come down to her home there in the service, so the word was being preached and moved for. Got a text today, a couple of texts this morning, actually, from Brother Tim Pruitt, telling about the things that the Lord had done for Sister Karen. Uh, we're so, so grateful. Amen. You know, we look around and we think there's a lot of negative things going on, and they are. But there's a lot of positive things that are happening as well. Our God is still in charge. He's still in control. Amen. God bless you. Let's uh, give our attention, if we can, to the Word this morning. So also Christ glorified not himself to be made an high priest. But he that said unto him, Thou art my son today, have I begotten thee. He saith also in another place, Thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek who in the days of his flesh when he had offered up prayers and supplications, now listen how he offered them, prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death was heard in that he feared. How many has ever been afraid? How many still has fears that you deal with one type or another? You know, for a lot of Christians, they're ashamed to say that. They think, well, my goodness, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. Well, you're still a human, though, aren't you? Fears don't necessarily come from our Christianity. They come from our humanity. And as long as we're here, we're going to have them. But I'm so glad, whatever we fear that comes against us, that we can go to one who can be able to relate to fear. You imagine him looking at not only dying, but the horrific death that he would suffer with pain and agony and so on. But having to die out of the presence of God. Amen. I'm so grateful that he did that. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I know we say it so often and so much. But Lord, I just want you to know that I appreciate it. I'm so grateful that you were willing to suffer to pay such a tremendous price that we could be here today and have true freedom. We know this time, Lord, is a time that is set aside in our nation and so many, many years ago when our founding fathers were able to come together and establish a nation at that time. Freedom of religion and all these different freedoms and rights. Lord, we thank you for that. It's easy to see Lord, one by one that they're being taken away from us. 
But Lord, we want you to know that we're grateful for every day that we have still of our freedom left, our rights to be able to worship according to the dictates of our hearts and so far still have the freedom of speech to where we can declare, we, we can see it about us. Lord, maybe not, they don't have the laws necessarily passed yet, but the pressure is already here to make us hold our peace. Oh, we can believe it as long as we keep it in our heart and don't say nothing about it. We can see rapidly, Lord. It's moving in that cycle, preparing for the beast time in the tribulation period. Lord, I pray that you would help us. May our voice be heard on the side of the right. You see the needs of the people today, and we ask you, Father, that you'd be mindful of us. Help me, Lord. I stand your most needy of them all. Lord, the opportunity and yet the responsibility to speak your words. Please help me, Father. Help me to get out of the way. Lord, close my mouth to anything that would be wrong or the emphasis laid wrong. Help me, Jesus, to say only things that please you. Speak to us today, we ask, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the saints said, Amen. God bless you, you may be seated. Let's turn, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 9, verse 22. None of the writers of the New Testament quite had the understanding that God allowed Paul to have of the sacrifice of the atonement, of the power of expiation, of the blood of the Lord Jesus to be able to help us to understand in the gospel age for 2,000 years what the Lord wanted to accomplish in our lives. He takes so many of the types and the shadows of the Old Testament from the sacrifice to the wave offerings to the uh, different frankincense and the myrrh and the different things that was offered. But he, he expresses it so beautifully here in the book of Hebrews uh, concerning also the priesthood and merges it together as well with the sacrifice. And as he goes here to Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22, he says, And almost all things are by the law purged with blood. I mean, oh, when God actually gave the law to Moses, and Moses comes down from the presence of God, and he takes the blood of an animal, and he puts it in a charger, or the scripture there is a basin, and he takes it, a uh, hyssop, and he takes the hyssop, dips it down in the blood, and he begins to sprinkle it upon the people. And then he sprinkles it upon the book of the law. And he sprinkles it upon the snuffing pans and all the different instruments that they're going to use in the temple or the tabernacle it was at that time. And that was to sanctify every instrument that was going to be used in worship. Also the book of the law. So here Moses has the laws. Thou shalt, thou shalt not, thou shalt, thou shalt not. So he takes and he sprinkles with the hyssop and the blood drips down on it. And he takes and he throws it out on the people. And then whenever they build actually the tabernacle of the congregation, they dedicate it to the Lord. Then he comes and he brings uh, in similitude the same thing again. And he takes the hyssop again and goes to uh, every realm inside the temple, the tabernacle. And he goes to sprinkling with the blood. Now, it was a true, it was a great symbol. But really for them, it brought no forgiveness of sins. It brought no reconciliation. They went in a sinner, come out a sinner. They asked God to forgive them, but they had the same desire to do the same thing over and over again because the law could never make the worshipers clean. The sprinkling of the blood of an ox or a lamb or the sacrificial life of a turtle dove would never be able to expiate or to be able to annihilate the very cause of sin which laid in man's 
soul. So man would go through the ritual and through the routine. He'd do it over and over again. But yet he would walk in a sinner and he would walk out a sinner. Because the power that was there. Now notice how that he identifies that with all the instruments of the Old Testament. He says almost all things are by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood there is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of the things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things, now all those things which were on the earth, whether they were in the tabernacle of testimony or whether it actually moved over into the Shekinah when it was under Solomon's temple or when it was there in Herod's temple, it was a pattern of the things which were in the heavenly. Now he brings something that is called parenthetical, which means it runs in coexistence. And he said, but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. He uses the same word that it would allude to the fact that things in heavens needed to be purified. But actually, there was nothing there unclean. There was nothing there that was not already holy. But it was actually applied to the believer themselves. So there was nothing in heaven that needed to be washed. But the way needed to be made for the worshipers on the earth to be allowed to come in to the presence of God. Now look in chapter 9 verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy place with hands which are the figures of the true. But into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Amen. Notice he does not come for himself. There's no need for him to go into the presence of God because actually he came out of the presence of God. Now, whenever he left the presence of God at the beginning of his incarnation or the beginning of his earthly journey, he did not leave heaven as a human being. The Lord Jesus did not leave heaven as the immaculate conception born son that was going to walk on the earth as a mortal. But he left heaven as the logos of God, the attribute of the word. Now remember, he was not in the form of humanity. So it wasn't an old man that looked over to his 30-year-old son or so and said, Son, I really, I've got this work that needs to be done and really I can't do it. And the Holy Ghost, which was another person over there somehow sitting on the left or the right, and the angels and nobody in heaven could do it and God couldn't do it. And so God asked his younger boy, his younger son, Well, would you care to go down and, and do this for me? I hate to ask you to do it, but, but I can't do it myself. And really, if you don't, then all them poor mortals to be lost that's a bunch of hogwash it's a bunch of nonsense that come right at straight from the pits of hell was hatched out in seminaries and had been believed probably by the majority of us for the most of our life but thank God for the truth that set us free so what was it that actually left heaven it was the attribute what the prophet termed several times as the second attribute of of God. Now it was not another person. It was not a corporal body. 
He was not even an angelic body. Now we know, of course, it was a theophany, but it was the attribute of the word that would be able to be imparted into humanity and live a separate life from the life of Zoe. Now this is what makes this so overwhelming, that the Lord Jesus was so much a human that he had his own will. He was so much a human, he would have had a human makeup, a human nature. Now he had the nature of God, but he also had a human makeup, which is what we will see and love for eternity. Amen. He was so much God, he created the universe. But so much man, he could cry. So much God, he spoke all things into existence. But so much man that he prayed in the garden of Gethsemane, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. So when he comes from the realm of the heavens, whenever the angel Gabriel spoke to Mary and said, you will bring forth a son, and it sounded so mysterious to her that she said, how can these things be seeing that I know not a man? And the angel said, the Holy Ghost will overshadow you. And that thing which shall be formed in you shall be called the Son of God. So when the angel brings the message to the Virgin Mary, and then whether it happened then or a few moments after or a few days, the Bible doesn't really declare, but something supernatural had to enter into Mary's body. Amen. Actually, the eternal created both cell, amen, from her body, it was nothing taken out of her. From her body, nothing was tapped into. From her body, there was no human ovum. From her body, there was no nothing at all in that sense to be able to make this, but it was a special creation of God. Now, it was not yet as the fullness of the Godhead body, bodily, but it was the Word. Now, John says that there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, which he didn't say the Son, but the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. So we know then, by the way that John framed it, that the Word is actually the Son. So what was he before he became the Son of what we would call the Son? of God. He was the Logos or the Word of God. So whenever he left heaven, it was not a human being that actually come down and changed his body and got inside of another human body. He was not a human being prior to the work of incarnation. But he was the attribute. Now hang tight with me now. If you look at yourself, you realize you're not too far from that yourself. Now he left the Father God. He had already pre-existed, which we of course did not. We did not pre-exist in a tangible form, neither theophanic or human. We were in the mind of God as attribute, but he already had come into that existence and had existed and appeared and disappeared and appeared and disappeared. He was called the angel of the Lord. He was a theophanic appearance and all of that. But when he come down to the earth, it was not an angel. It was not that it was 
a human there and somehow he squeezed into time and squeezed into her body. It was not a human getting inside of a human. It was an attribute getting inside of a human body, which is the same thing that happened the morning you were born. Except it was not his attribute of himself, it was his attribute of you. Now you don't remember it, nor do I, but if we believe the word of God, then we believe that there's a part of us that is eternal. It was the attribute of his thinking which came down and got inside of us, hallelujah. It would lay there for years and years, maybe before you would actually begin to recognize your father's voice was calling you and then all of a sudden you would turn heavenward but for him it was in that stage different because it was an immaculate conception so it was not a mother and father like all the rest of us have but being that God must use his blood created blood to be able to be accepted in our stead for our atonement so it's not then that the Lord Jesus had to take his own blood in a charger and go up before spirit God and be able to sprinkle everything in heaven. This is of course symbolism and it's a metaphor that Paul used in order to describe the way that it was. Notice this in verse 24. For Christ is not entered into the holy place made with hands which are the figures of the truth. Now we have no record and actually it could not have happened that the Lord Jesus ever stepped inside the holy of holies inside of Herod's temple. He didn't need to. There was no reason for him to go there and the priest would have actually never let him go there. By the Now listen carefully. By the Levitical law, the Lord Jesus would not have been allowed to step inside the Holy of Holies in Herod's temple because he was actually from natural descendancy. He was from the tribe of Judah, not the tribe of Levi. If the Lord Jesus would have started into the Holy of Holies, they would have stopped him. They would have threw him out of the temple. They would have banned him from the temple. They would have not let him come back. Why? Because he wasn't of the right tribe. Can you imagine? Almighty God himself in a human body, but he would not have been allowed to come in the Holy of Holies. Let me just bring it on down. That's the very reason that people are lost today. Because they will not allow him to come inside their inner court, in their inner sanctum, so they keep him out of their heart, out of their soul, because he's not of their tribe. Aren't you glad he's of yours? Aren't you glad something was inside of you and you opened up your inner sanctum and said, Lord Jesus, come in and change me. Make me different, Lord. Make me like you. Now, even though he could not go into the Holy of Holies in the natural temple, and we know that he said it in such a way to blind him, really, because as he stood there that day and they was looking at the great temple, and we know that it took Herod in them 46 years uh, Solomon, of course, built the temple. It was tore down. The Amai rebuilt it. But yet, there again, it was tore down. And here, when, when Herod built it and they reconstructed the temple, and he did a great expansion upon the hill there where it was built. And it took them 46 years to modify this temple. And the Lord Jesus didn't wait till he was outside in the Kidron Valley or wait till he was down in Galilee somewhere and say, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it up again. But he was right there in the very court. And he says these words. 
words, destroy this temple. And in three days, I'll raise it up. And they look at one another and say, what? This man's crazy. He's out of his mind. And they repeat back to him. It was 46 years that it took our fathers to build this house. And you're going to rebuild it in three days? But the scripture said, how be it? He spake of the body of his temple, the temple of his body. So he said things in such a way. He was not welcome in their court and they were not welcome in his. Now he said things in such a way instead of putting up the welcome sign, he said things in such a way that would cause many of them to harden their hearts and go the other way. Oh my goodness. I know that's hard for people to swallow, but that's exactly what he does. But God has sent him for the divine purpose of calling all of those that can be redeemed. And God is not going to send the Logos in the great magnificence or as Paul terms it the excellency of his glory. So whenever he was born a man, no doubt if we would have been able to peer into the manger that, that night, early that night whenever he was born, we would have not seen great streams of light come from his head the way the artists draw it. And there would have not been a lot of the, the effigy of God that would have been projected from that image. He looked like an ordinary baby. He would have cried like an ordinary child, little bitty tiny hands, little bitty tiny feet maybe about that long and little bitty thumb and little fingers but yet he's the one that spanned all the stars in the universe but we would have never known it just by looking by him as a matter of fact Brother Bram said that people walked right by him on the street and there was nothing so outstanding about him that you would have ooh ooh I felt something oh oh my wow I've never felt anything like that ooh they walked right by him never felt one thing there was no streams of glory that come from his person right I wonder brother sister if you and I would have lived in that day what would we have looked for what would we have sought after if we would have been looking for the Messiah we would have saw a man that was smaller in stature than I am he would have weighed less than I do a little bit shorter than I am and yet he would have been a man that his beard would have got gray a man that would have cried human tears a man that would have felt sorrow and pain and sickness would we have known him oh yes it were elect we would because even though he had a mask on we would have still known who he was you see our identification would not been looking because we got a picture of Jesus amen but it is the nature or his character is the way we would have identified him which is the way we identify him today now the Lord Jesus was not a white man now I hope that don't bother you Europeans the Lord Jesus was not a white man. No doubt he looked like a Mediterranean. I heard somebody the other day say Jesus was a black man. Well, I'm not trying to do anything in difference in that, but that's just not true. Because the woman at the well, how would she have ever said you are a Jew? So he must have had a Mediterranean look about him. His hair, and to me it makes no difference, no way. I don't care if it had been blue or pink or purple, what difference does that make? You know, whenever you look at it, everybody wants a Messiah the color of their skin. Well, you need a revelation. You need a revelation to go beyond, well, my Jesus has got to be a black because I'm a black man, or my Jesus has got to be white because I'm a white man. How do you know what color you'll even be when you get there that day? 
now, think of it is, we get so caught up in our own minds and we're saying, well, I could never be able to receive a Messiah that wasn't white. Well, you need to get saved and you need to really get focused on what this is all about. This is not a racial Jesus. This is not a racial move. Well, everybody's getting quiet on me this morning. But you know what? When he came, he gave him the identification of a body that would have been able to merge out of the color of the earth. Remember, that's where the prophet said that the color of the earth that we were born in being taken out of. So when he come to the earth, he would have looked like a Mediterranean, probably that in size and in stature. He would have no doubt had a Mediterranean diet. He would have eaten olives and, you know, different weird things to us. And we'd say, oh, that's awful. But yet to the Lord Jesus raised up as a little boy that's the things he would have eaten he would have had a complexion that would have been something like that but remember when we look at him now we're not so much looking to see is there a white Jesus on the throne is there an olive colored skin Jesus on the throne is there a black Jesus on the throne well you know what John did never I've never found anywhere where John gave a complexion skin tone or held up all these different variations and said Jesus is this when you really catch a glimpse of it all you realize how foolish that really really is our God made the races and he loves the different colors is that right that's right he never made a black man to be inferior to a white he never made a white to be superior to all the others but of one blood our God made all the nations and if they would leave it the way God made it all the racial issues would be resolved completely and totally it's the devil that gets among people and tries to cause all of these problems so his blood no doubt when it come out of his body it looked like normal red blood if the scientists would have taken it and they would have been able to take it to a laboratory and they would have looked at the plasma they would have looked at all the stuff on the inside no doubt there would have been similarities to human blood but there would have been something about it that would have been different whether or not they would have picked it up or not that would be uh, unbeknownst to us I'm sure but there was a divine element in that that it was specially created so if they would have tried to run his DNA and they would have went down through all the computer calculations and they'd run the ones ones for Four, four, five, five, six, six, seven, seven, and then run all that down through there, they would have pulled up with a consensus. We have nothing in the database that ever runs back to this DNA because there had never been anyone quite like this before on the earth. So they could have said, well, that's his mother supposedly. Shouldn't he have, you know, 23 chromosomes from her? And we're not sure really who his father is. Some say he was a Roman soldier. Some say Joseph. But if they would have done it, they would have divided the chromosomes. There they were. said, there's none in the database it's anything like this there's nothing in the DNA nothing in the chromosomes nothing you know who in the world is this person he was the first one of a new race so in the blood when they looked at it his blood did not he didn't bleed red or purple rather or gold or silver but it would have been human looking blood but it was a special created blood in that it was a holy blood by which God would accept it but the blood could not come straight out of heaven the blood must come out of a human body the blood must live in a human body so his blood and his tissues and so on as he would eat the food and they would be blood. Isn't it amazing that he growed as a young boy into a young man. Then he becomes into his 20s and then his latter 20s and then up to his 30s. Then he goes to the river. He gets baptized receives the fullness of the Holy Ghost. And then the 
last three years of his life as a great work of God is manifest out of him. What is it? It is God's holy temple on the earth. And yet this blood is going to be carried before the throne of God. Now we know, you know, we hear the song sang all the time, well, he shed one drop for me, one drop for me. We know humanly that is totally impossible. The Lord Jesus only had so much blood in his body. Once again, that's a symbolism. It's a metaphor. It does not actually mean that you get a drop and you get a drop and I get a drop and I get a drop. And let me say something. I hope it don't shock you. But actually this morning, if I had in my hand and I would empty out this Gatorade bottle. And I had just in my hand, and I'd take the cap off of it, and I would just hold this cap in my hand, and I had just enough of the blood of the Lord Jesus in this cap. And I would be able to prove to you that it was the blood of the Lord Jesus. And y'all would look and say, oh my, oh how wonderful. Oh, think of it, it's the blood of the Lord Jesus. Oh, how precious, how wonderful. And you're saying, oh my, how careful I would be not to spill it on the floor. Oh no, oh no, I spilled it, oh my. But in reality, I have in my charge this morning something that is more valuable to him than if he gave me a whole bottle full of blood. Why? Because it is the purchase of his blood. So it's like you sisters, when you go shopping and you go down the aisle and you see a pretty dress and you look at it and say, oh my goodness, oh, it's just my size. How much is it? Oh my goodness, there's no way I'd pay that much for that dress. Well, what you do is you make a decision and you look at the price on that dress and then you think of how much have you got on your credit card or how much money that you've got in the bank or whatever more. And to you, it is not worth the exchange of you saying, okay, I would pay $150, whatever more for that dress to me it is worth it and you say no it is not worth it so in an instant you make a decision well the Lord Jesus looking at his own life looking at all his love for his disciples and he looked at you and I and we were not in a saved condition we were by no means in a good state we were horrible I said we were horrible but he looked at us and he looked at his own life and he looked at the blood and he said I don't even have to think twice about this. I don't even have to consider and contemplate and really think this through. I consider them of more value than I do myself. There's a true husband. I said, there's a true husband. You young girls that ain't married, that's the kind of man you want to look for. You don't want to look for a man that's self-centered and selfish. And a man that's looking to see what kind of woman that he can find that'll make a prince out of him. You don't want to look for a man that's so centered on himself and all he's going to do your entire marriage is see what you can do to benefit him. You better leave that old boy alone. I don't care how pretty his teeth are. His hair may be as curly as sheep's wool. He may smell like, I mean, you know, Christian door. He may this and that and the other. You better leave that old boy sitting high and dry because he'll make it hell on earth for you, sis. But you want to find a man that really understands what marriage is all about. First of all, he's a Christian. He's got the Holy Ghost. And he's able to look in Ephesians 5 and say, this is the epitome of what I want to be. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. That's the kind of man you daughters of God want, right? And to be honest, 
Notice that's the kind of man you deserve. You don't deserve anything less than that because you're a daughter of God. I wish somebody would preach with me this morning. But you see, he looked at this and the value of what you were and who you were. And he said, why? To me, you know, it's no thing. I don't have to pray about this and meditate and really think about this a long time. It's already done. So the council in heaven was there declared and he condescends. Now he leaves the heavenly realm and he starts coming down through the invisible realm as the attribute of God and then the germ, the egg and all that conceals together and it starts forming the baby. And inside of that was the attribute of the word. He lives a human life. He's ordinary human food. Uh, God did not deliver angelic food down to the Lord Jesus every day but he ate olives and dates and dried fruits and you know all kinds of things that the Mediterranean diet would have been in that day and it would have taken and built inside this blood. Don't I, I don't I don't understand it. How in the world could olives and dates and you know all these different things go inside this human body and he, he'd eat it and he would be able to participate of it and yet never affect the purity of that blood. Oh my. He was what? He was God in the form of a human being. Now what did he want to do? Produce a bleach, a Clorox that would release us from our sins but also a blood that would be able to go back before the invisible God, the eternal and be able to present to him something that would forever release us. Remember you're not just released from sin in time. If you're released today, you are released for eternity. Notice this, he said he's to going to heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. Now this is the way that he wanted to appear in a glorified human body. But remember, this is not how he left. So he returned back home in a different state than he left. Oh, praise God. He returned back home in a different state than he left. He left as a manifested attribute of God and he come back as a glorified human being. Well, praise the Lord. You know how you left? You left as an attribute of God. You know how you're going back? As a glorified human being. Amen. Here you go. This is the regular life. He left the presence of God as an attribute. And then when he raised up and Mary come to him to touch him, Rabboni, Rabboni I said, don't touch me. I'm not yet ascended to my father. But go tell my brothers that I'm going to my God and your God. Amen. To my father and your father. Here's the very first one of the new race. Praise be to God. So he goes into the presence of God and offers what? Has he got blood in his hand? Has he got a charger in his hand? And takes his own blood and sprinkles everything up there in heaven? It is his life. His life. The Lord Jesus is not there in heaven today. And when you and I make a mistake, he reaches over and he signs, sprinkles blood. You're, this is on Dale's name. This is on, on Larry's name. And this is on your name. And this is on your name. What does he offer? His presence. His being is there in the presence of God. As long as he's there, I'm innocent. Hallelujah. And he don't have to do it every day. He done it once. Notice Hebrews 10, 5. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice and offering. Thou wouldest not. But a body. Huh. 
Okay, so God don't want sacrifice and offering, but God wanted a body. Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. So the me did not have this kind of body before the preparation. <laughs> Who was the me, the logos, the attribute of the word. So when he was glorified, then the me become the acceptable atonement in the presence of God. What is it? His glorified human body. Notice this. So a body hast thou prepared for me, or the, the Greek word there is actually fitted. Now you imagine the logos being fit with a human body. The Logos taking on humanity and the Logos being clothed in such a state to clothe himself in a human body. So Christ assuming the form of a servant. Now remember he's not taking on him the nature of angels but on him the seed of Abraham. Notice this in Hebrews 10 6. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I Lo, I come in the volume of the book. So now this was said before the incarnation. Was it a little boy? Was it an angel in heaven? Was it a theophany? It's the attribute, the word. Amen. The word. So the word says of himself. Then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book. It is written of me to do thy will, O God. And above, when he said, sacrifice and burnt offerings and offering for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Then said I, lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. So here's someone, something, some being is talking Amen. before he comes to the earth. <laughs> Notice this. By the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Now God is not going to bring men back to reconciliation, the steps of redemption, through the great merging together of the Logos coming on the earth and the Logos in the form of this spiritual phenomena that would be there and whenever people would come near it, they would fall away and die just because the brilliance was so bright and the glory would come from the Logos. He's not going to redeem us by what would seem to be supernatural, but he's going to redeem us through the weakness of a man. Amen. The man, Christ Jesus. Amen. You know how the bride's going to take a rapture? Through the preaching of men. God didn't send us an angel on the last day to be a seventh angel. He sent us a man. I didn't need Gabriel. I didn't need Michael. I needed William Branham. Praise the Lord. The first church age didn't need Gabriel. They didn't need Michael. They needed Paul. 
So God sent them an angel, but he had an earthly representation. Notice in 2 Timothy 2.5, For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, the man, the man, not the angel, not the theophany, the man here after his resurrection and glorification, Paul is still referring to our Lord Jesus as a man. What kind of man was he? Glorified man. This is what God always wanted to become, but he couldn't become that first. It would mess up the whole plan of redemption. He is the, he is the invisible. He, he's, he's uncreated. He's the invisible, but he wants to become tangible. The prophet said the whole thing is God becoming tangible. He wanted to become into a visible form, but he must let the man fall first before he becomes in the visible human form. Let the man fall and show a need of human visibility, and then God will express himself. Hallelujah in the form of a human being to bring man back. This will give him reason and purpose of being a man. Praise God. You drew this out of him. Notice John 1 and 1. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. So now if in the beginning was the word, what was before the beginning? Now the beginning is actually when time began. So what was before the beginning? The eternal. But in the beginning was the Logos. Notice now in verse 3, all things were made by him. So the word was not an it. The word was not something as you're holding there in your lap or laying there beside of you. The word then was not a book. But the word was a special creation. A special designation that came out of the eternal an extension of himself. Glory to God. As God is glorified through the preaching of the gospel through his son Jesus Christ and bringing trophies through the grace of God. So the eternal was glorified through the expression of the Logos in making the universe. You see, the universe is an expression of the eternal through his sonship in the realm of invisibility. The realm of the Logos. Boy, you folks are looking at me funny. Have I got something on my face? I mean, besides sweat. Notice this. All things were made by him and without him was not anything made that was made. So again, we're not talking about a, thee, and for, neither, us, before, afterwards. We're not talking about letters, but we're talking about the word become a being. And he made all things. Oh, glory. Verse 4. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 14. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This is he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was. Uh-oh. He was before me. But in Jesus' form? Not in Jesus' form. 
Jesus had a day started. Therefore, he could die. But the he was before Jesus. <laughs> well, glory. Who's the he? The word. Glory to God. Notice this in verse 18. No man has seen God. Now, wait a minute. I thought the Bible said in Exodus 24, you know, whenever Jacob wrestled with him, he called the name of that place Peniel, for he said, I have seen God face to face. But according to this, no man has seen God. Now, what did they see? They saw an effigy or a resemblance, a divine supernatural appearance that represented God. You see the Shekinah that was in behind the veil where the Holy of Holies were. And every time the priest would go in there. Now remember the high priest actually saw something there. He went behind there and he saw that Shekinah like a pillar of fire. And it was hanging there between the cherubim. And he would see this. Now we say, well that was God. Well it was God. But it was actually it was only a symbol of his divine presence. When Moses saw the bush on fire and the Lord spoke to him out of the bush, that bush was not God because no man's ever seen God. But the bush being on fire was a symbol of his divine presence. My, we seen it right here last night in the service. Presence of God moving. I seen it right over here, start right across that one pew there and went from one to another to another. It was just like a wave. It was almost like a milky cloud as it come down and went from one to the other to the other. And then I seen it moving back around here and there. So was that him? It was, but it was a symbol of his divine presence. But God wanted more than just to use a symbol. God wanted something that was his own essence to be able to reveal himself. But how could he ever do it? The great eternal. The prophet said if he had not come to sin, it would have blinded even the elected. He's so great. It would drive his own from him. So he must have an attribute of his own creation from his own being. That instead of driving his elect from him, it'll bring them right to him. Oh, notice this. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, He hath declared Him. So the Son wasn't a little boy over here, but the Son was here. Now remember, the Father don't have a bosom. The Father don't have a hand or eyes or hair because He's a spirit. He's invisible. But the Son come from the very heart, as we'd say, of God. Let's say it this way. He give God a face. He give God hands, feet, eyes. Praise God. Notice this, 1 John 5, 7. For there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, which we would call the Son, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are three. No. These three are one. Amen. There's not three gods. There's not two gods. Notice this Colossians 1.14. In whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins, who is the image, the visible effigy. That which can strike 
the eye. Something that light can be able to bring it into atoms and matter and time and molecules. Something that the human eye can look at it because God wanted your eyes to see something about himself. So he created himself an image. And that image was who? Jesus Christ. Who is the image of the invisible God? the firstborn of every creature. For by him are all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible and invisible. Amen. Whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things are created by him and for him. Which means he had to exist before all things were created. Praise be to God. Verse 17, he is before all things, and by him all things consist. The earth today hangs out here in this mass of the universe, spinning a thousand miles an hour. A thousand miles an hour. Why aren't we all sick today? How is it that on the bottom of the earth when she's turned on the side and Antarctica is on the bottom and you've got places there that the ice is miles thick. Why doesn't all that weight fall off the bottom of the earth? When it tilts around on its axis, why is it that, that, that the water, the ocean hanging there? You do that with this glass of Gatorade, can you? Take this bottle of Gatorade and take the lid off of it and let me turn it upside down and see if I can make it stay on the bottom. And yet the Indian Ocean, the other oceans that are on the bottom side of there, how is it they stay stuck to the bottom side? How is it that the human beings that are on that side of the earth and they're all standing upright, yet looking at, looking at the ball of the earth as they ball a circle out there, how are they standing upright when you look at them and it looks like they're on their head? And he upholds all things by the rhema. Of his power, which means that which is uttered with a living voice. He don't use the Logos to keep the universe in place. He uses the Rhema, that which is uttered by a living voice. Hallelujah. You imagine God then took tangibility. Oh my, Colossians 1.18, he is the head of the body of the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have preeminence. Now we know the Lord Jesus was not the first one to raise from the dead. He raised people before he raised himself. But he was the first one to be raised to immortality. He raised Lazarus, but Lazarus died again. He raised the widow woman's son, but he died again. But he's the first one to raise himself to immortality. That's why he could tell John, I am he that was dead, but I am alive forevermore. Notice in verse 19, for it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. Now the word that should dwell is the indwelling Godhead in Christ as being the foundation of, of reconciliation. And the word dwelling actually means to reside permanently. But it's not the word that Paul used. It's not something that came into him which was not of who he was. But it's something that had already been there and had come into a greater measure. Praise be to God. It is at home permanently. 
Thank you, Lord Jesus. Something added to his being that was natural to who he was. I hope you understand what I'm fixing to say. Once I got the Holy Ghost, ah, my, it's like it was always mine. I should have always had it because I come from there in the beginning. This is why I feel more at home with the Holy Ghost, home at church, home reading the Word, home listening to tapes, home praying, than I do any day out of the week out here in this world that we call home. Notice this, having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By, I say, whether there be things in earth, things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated, and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now has he reconciled. Praise God. Look at the meaning of this word, to reconcile completely, to reconcile back again, to bring back a former state of harmony. I'm not just saved, I'm reconciled. Can't you see the elect are not just saved people. Can I go on a little bit farther? Verse 22, in the body of his flesh, through death, to present. Tell me a beautiful word. To stand by, to show, to set at hand, to present a person for another to see and question. The humanity of God will present us before the eternal Brother Jim, his work will be so perfect and so complete, we can walk up before the eternal presence of the eternal one. And the eternal can question us himself. And we will have no shame. This is why I praise no other. This is why I worship no other. Nobody else could do this but my Lord Jesus. No preacher, no prophet, no songwriter, no musician. Nobody could do this but the Lord Jesus. Can you imagine? He will present us in the body of his flesh through death to present you. This is the way he's going to present you. Holy and unblameable. The word means unblameable without rebuke, blameless, without blemish, free from faultiness, not only unblameable, but unreprovable, that cannot be called into account. Unreprovable, unaccused, blameless. Our Lord Jesus will present us as trophies of His grace to the great eternal. And you will not hide, you will not run like the people that will be judged. The Bible says in the last days of the tribulation period, they will run and hide and pray for the rocks and the mountains to fall on them. But when you stand before that great throne, that great effigy of his presence, that magnificence and the rays of light and glory that enshroud the throne of God and as it comes out of there, you'll not be like Danny Henry. You'll not be like different ones that'll stand there and tremble and shake. You will stand there clothed in the righteousness 
of Jesus Christ. You, your very body, some of your bodies, think of it, children. Some of your human bodies will not die. I believe with all of my heart. There are people sitting right here in this building today that will not die. That body that your mother and father gave birth to, it'll be changed by the power of God. And you, you, the seed of God, will actually take that body into the realm of eternity. That body at one time that smoked, that body at one time drank and ran around and lied. But the power of God so changed you. And the rapture will come over you in a moment in a twinkling of an eye. And you will carry that body that was sired by Don Reagan, born by Betty Reagan, but reborn by Almighty God. And the Lord Jesus will look back at us, millions strong maybe, and say, Father, this is my wife. I present her to you, Holy Father. You imagine as he turns and looks at us and we step up. Almighty, great eternal, great Adonai. Hallelujah. We won't run and hide our face and be ashamed. Let the eternal ask me, what do you will? My innocence is standing before me. Oh, hallelujah! My justification is standing before me. The purging of my soul is standing before me. My Lord Jesus. Notice in verse 23, here's the key, my friends. If ye continue in the face, grounded, and settled. Be not moved away from the hope of the gospel which you have heard, which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. It ain't hearing it once and say, well, I'm once and saved. I always say, that ain't the way Paul taught it. Paul taught it, if you continue in the faith, grounded and settled. And there ain't but one way for you to do that. And that is God to save you so completely and fill you with the Holy Ghost that you're saved beyond yourself. I'm glad I not only got saved from the devil, I got saved from Donnie. Well, come on, just to be honest with you, the devil ain't my greatest enemy, Donnie Reagan is. Come on, you might as well say amen. You're your greatest enemy. But the Lord Jesus didn't just save me from drinking, I never drunk. He never saved me from smoking, I never smoked. I never took marijuana. I ain't never done nothing that in my life. But I was lost as I could be. Who did I need saving from? I need saved from myself. And once he saved me from myself and endued with me power from on high, I will take myself by the grace of God into the presence of the eternal. Oh, hallelujah. And my body will stand there, not shake and tremble. But I will be presented by the humanity of God to the invisible presence of God. Chapter 2, verse 9, For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all the principality and power. Listen. Listen. 
Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. God, who at sundry times in divers manners, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days, last 2,000 years, spoken unto us by His Son, whom He hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also He made the worlds. So when an old man, using a young boy, said, now, now look, son, let's make the earth where he says it. Daddy, I think that's a good idea. But God created all things by His Son or by His Word. Amen. You understand, children? His Word. So when He come on the earth, it was just another expansion of that creation. If God wants to create again, He's got to use His Son Word in order to do it. So if God wants a new race, He must use His Son Word. Who being the brightness of His glory, verse 3, and the express image of His person. The word express is the Greek word character, which is the word we get for character. But it also means, as the language and the letters was used years and years ago, still in the Chinese language today, that they don't just call them letters, but characters. So he was the character of God. So one of the meanings of this word is a facsimile or a fax. So Jesus was the fax of God. So here this image comes out of the eternal. Y'all know what a fax machine is, right? Many of you have used them and you've got them in your home maybe. They're an amazing machine really. How about somebody in Africa can fax you a document and you can sign your name and fax it back in a, in a matter of seconds. Well, I wish I could fly that fast. I'd go there more often. But what do you do? You get the character or the expression. Well, God longed. God wanted for this image to be expressed, but there was no receiver on the earth. So God would send a little portion in a bush and then he'd have to draw it back. He'd send a little portion in a cloud and then he'd have to draw it back. But God created a human instrument, which would be, we'll call it, the brother brand. Brother. Brother. So God created this human reception on the earth. God projected this facts of himself and the brother of all the rest of the children received it. So he walked like God, he talked like God, he loved like God, he lived like God. Praise God. And then while he was here, he shared the facts with the rest of his brothers. Whenever he raised from the dead there in St. John, what was St. John 20? And he stood there and he went, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. So the facts 
is coming out of the machine before they ever get it. Glory to God. Hallelujah. 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 He didn't just give us dry words, but he released to us the image of the invisible God. Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his power, which is not Logos, but Rhema, that which has been uttered by the living voice, things spoken, a declaration of one's mind made in words. Look at verse 4, being so much better than the angels, as he saith by inheritance, obtained a more excellent name than they. So here was a fax machine on the earth. Boy, you talking about opening up that fax machine? If you ain't read it in a while, read St. John 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, and watch the facts of God as it opens up the very epitome of the visible and the invisible. The Father, the Son, the Son, the Father will dwell in you. I pray the Father will give you another comforter. Here it is, the very facts of God is open to one page after another, after another, just coming out on the way to Gethsemane. I took care of that. I said, you know, it's, it's an absolute miracle when you think about it. John walking along with him that night, his heart saddened, broken. How was John able to recall word for word what the Lord Jesus said? And John never wrote it that very day. He didn't write it for several years thereafter, actually. How was he able to write such a things? Well, no doubt the fax machine come down and inspired John. And John got connected into the fax and it was like he was walking with Jesus again. And the very inspiration, real friends, you can trust your Bible. The author, the facts of God inspired these men. And you imagine as it recalled it and coming right back out again, written years later, as if though the Lord Jesus was freshly speaking it. He was. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, we are awed by your presence, Lord. You wanted us to get this so much. You had all this in your being. Pages and pages of love and mercy and forgiveness and pardon and all these mysteries in your being. You drop a line to a prophet every now and then, or drop a paragraph to another prophet. But oh, praise God. Once the character of God was on the earth, the machine of God, you were able to project into Him and sense Him, since His body has been ascended up. You're still speaking through Him today. I hope they realize you were speaking through your Son this morning. I ain't talking about me. I'm talking about through the dispensation of the Holy Ghost. You were speaking this morning. Your son is still talking to the bride around the world. Your son is still finding if he can get men out of the way that will crucify themselves. That same son, that same Lord Jesus will take their human instrumentality and fax his thoughts, fax his ideology, 
facts, his declaration of his mind through men. Oh, glory to God. Help me, Lord, to always be a surrendered instrument. I know it's a simple illustration, Lord. But Lord God, as a fax machine, may sit there plugged up and it's online. It may sit there for days, weeks, or even months until someone will pick up something and they want to send it and then they push the buttons. Four, two, three, five, four, seven, three, six, one, one. In a matter of seconds, it comes through. Hallelujah. Help me, Lord God, that my lines stay clear. Help me, Lord, that I'm always online. Help me, Lord God, so if your children's got a need here that you sent me to preach to, glory to God, that you can dial my number, Lord, and drop us out. And then you go to inspire me, Lord, and build in the thought and put it together. Hallelujah. Oh, God, help us, I pray, not only me as a preacher, but all your children, Lord. May our lines be open. Maybe someone needs a word of encouragement, Father. Help us, I pray, Lord Jesus. We bless your name today, Lord. Thank you, Father. I worship you with all my heart, mighty God. I bless your name, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah, why don't you come and lead us some singing, buddy? You love him, saints. With all your heart. Praise Amen. the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Did you enjoy that this morning? Amen. Did you enjoy the word of the Lord this morning? Amen. Wasn't it wonderful? Praise the Lord. All right, let's sing that song this morning. We're going to sing Waymaker. Uh, he is a Waymaker. Do you believe that? He's here touching lives, changing lives. Let's sing a little bit of it. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. Oh, yes, we do, Father. You are here, working in this place. I worship you, I worship you, you are here, moving in our midst, I worship you, I worship you, you are here, working in this place. Who That's who you are. are. You 
we're encouraged in this morning in our walk with the Lord. Things may fall around us. The world may fall around us. But it won't touch our walk with God. Let's sing it this morning. Psalms 3. Oh, thou, oh, Lord, art a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. Sing it now. Yes, thou, oh, Lord, art a shield for me. You're the glory and the lifter of my head. Many there be increased that trouble me. the demon spirits that rise against me. Many there be which say of my soul, there is no help for you.
Amen. Just before we go, just before we go this morning, what, what services we've had this weekend. I know those folks at home that are streaming, they're blessed also around the world, those folks that are streaming. But it's just something about being here. Just makes all the difference in the world just being here. Thank God for getting the privilege of getting to be here. Amen. Thank God for the privilege of getting to come to the house of God. What a privileged people we are. What a wonderful opportunity God has afforded you and me. And let's take advantage of every second. We'll sing just a little bit more of that song, but I'd like for the brethren just to play a little bit. Brother Donnie, you don't get to play the guitar for us that much. And we love to hear him play, don't we? I'd like for him just to play a little bit of that, Psalms 3. And Brother Donnie, if you don't care, I know you don't like to show off. We're not asking you to show off, but just play a little bit of that guitar for us this morning, if you would. Play a little bit of Brother Harry. For you. 